0: You won't hear that at Bad Bob's, so that's for sure, <laughs> or the vapors, or wherever. <laughs> the vapors. <laughs> whatever.
1: <laughs> no, not the vapors.
0: <laughs> you don't even know where. I that know the Vapor.
1: Um, I know. If of you're a student, you're dismissed.
0: Hello. Hello. Morning. Hello. Uh, Welcome to Christ Community Church. I greet you in the name of my precious, precious Savior. That was good. Christopher, that was about as good as I've ever heard you do. That was good. That was good. Yeah, that was real good. Um, Lord Jesus, there's so many voices, so many distractions. So many barriers, so many wounds, so many passions, so much deception and confusion. For us to hear anything that is from You and for us to know it was from You. Lord, it will take a miracle. The kind of miracle that... um, Made lepers' skin clean. Gave people that didn't, weren't able to see or hear, able to see and hear. People that had, were not able to walk could get up and run. People that were laying in graves could walk out alive. Lord, you did those things. Would you do something similar in our lives today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, If you, well, I'll just say that this way. As you become a serious student of the Bible, one of the things that you begin to notice and then, realize and then become convinced of is that God wants us to predominantly I'm using that word carefully to predominantly focus on today. Half of you are So anxious, I say half, I'm an optimist. Um, uh, uh, So many of us are so stressed out and worried and anxious and terrified. And I'll just leave it at that. Over Bitcoin and Ukraine and washington and the shootings and on and on and on and on and on and on and i'm not taking away from any of those things i'm not minimizing their the reality and the 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 danger of those things the problems related to those things but at the end of the day The things that make us anxious and stressed out and worried and terrified, they're not happening today, right now. There is nobody in this room trying to shoot you. It's Sunday, so I don't think your Bitcoin is going up or down today. Now, John might disagree with me, I don't know, but uh, uh, all those things are real. But most of them are related to the past, what has happened, or what could happen. Not what is happening right now in your life. And that's, as you read the Bible, what the Bible encourages us to do is to predominantly, overwhelmingly, Mostly, focus on today. Well, I won't give you any more examples, but we all have got examples of things that stress us out because we're looking at what might take place tomorrow. Not what is taking place today. The Bible would introduce God to us as the great I am not the great I was or the great I will be but the great I am I am present I am here I'm the God of now there is this subtle warning that runs through the Bible that if you and I want to experience a relationship with God, we've got to learn to be focused on where God is focused. And that is today. Today. Not to yesterday. And all the pain of yesterday, all the shame, all the failure. Nobody's denying that it was real. But that was yesterday. And not tomorrow. Tomorrow. But today. That's where God is focused. That's where God is. He has no past. has no future. So, well, I want to experience God. Well, where is God? He's in today. He's in today. So if you and I want to experience Him, we've got we to gotta be focused on where God is. And God is in the, today. Having said that, if you're a serious student of the Bible, Clearly, there is a, an encouragement to learn from the past. Remember. The Bible says remember. What that means is learn from the past. So nobody's saying ignore the past. And there is, an, there is a clear encouragement to look forward I'm going to use. I'm going to make a distinction between the future and to eternity. The Bible clearly tells us to be a people who are focused to some degree on eternity. the 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 time I hate that word, but the 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 experience or the place or whatever you want to say, when Jesus returns and rules this world and universe Himself. Um, we're supposed to find joy and hope and encouragement in learning what that is going to look like and getting excited about it. That, that's That is a that's a bible idea that's a bible concept um last week, we spent the whole lesson talking about and there were others that I left out I know, but there I found twenty one new things that God offers those who will accept His gift of eternal life and be, be brought into the family of God, God offers us 21 things at least um, immediately. Immediately. They're ours now and they are to be enjoyed and embraced and uh, used and lived in immediately. Immediately. But there's also some new things that God wants to give us one day. Not today. Not today. But one day. And that's what I'd like to talk about today. What are the new things that God wants to offer us one day? And Shirley, I was going to get you, if you would, would you read Revelation chapter 21, the first, I think it's the first five verses, uh, please, ma'am. This is just we're sort of, sh- listen to these words. Listen to what... John says about this new day and what God offers us when this new day comes. This
1: is great. You may, this may be familiar to you. It may not be. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Notice how many times he says it, like three
0: times. Now he's not going to send an angel It'll be or him. an ambassador or a holy man or a. he's going to do it himself.
1: He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death Or sorrow, or crying, or pain—all these things are gone forever. Hmm. And the one sitting on the throne said, "Look, I am making everything new." And then he said to me, "Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true."
0: Okay, thank you. In one John chapter three, John, same author, said it this way: "We are now God's children." And what he means by that is, and all, the, all those 21 things that God is making, has made available to His children, you've got them now. You're not going to get the, 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 the position of child, favored one, loved one, protected one, provided for one, defended one, called out one, life of power one, you're not going to get that one day. They're your. Those things are for you right now. That's what John is saying. We are now God's children. And what will be hasn't been revealed. But we know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. The the idea there is, is that we will be seen and we will see the way we were created to see. The way Adam and Eve, when they walked in the garden with God every day, they saw God. He wasn't something they believed in by faith. Right now, we live by faith. But Paul says that one day we will our, our faith will be turned into sight. Adam and Eve didn't believe in God. They saw God. They talked to God. They ate lunch with God. They walked in the garden with God every day. There was no faith involved. Like you and I have to exercise. And that's what John's talking about. One day... All that, and we will have a relationship with God like Adam and Eve. Our faith will be turned to sight. We could spend a year talking about the new things that God has in store for us one day. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe this afternoon. Oh, that it would be. But one day. I want to just mention if we have time Five. Five things that God offers us one day. Okay? Just let me, let's get into these. One, and, and I didn't know whether to put this, make this number 22 last week or number one this week, to be quite honest with you, because you'll see the overlap. Okay? But one of the things that God is going to offer us one day as a part of this, we will see in a new way, we will see clearly, is we will have, a, we will have new insight, new perspective into why there has been pain and suffering and evil in our world. All of a sudden, why things happened the way they did. all the things that we go, why would God do that? Why would God allow that? Why would God cause that? Why wouldn't God thwart that? Why wouldn't God stop that? Why wouldn't God change that? All of a sudden, we will see why. And we'll all go, wow. Wow. Now all of a sudden, all the evil and all the wrong and all the bad and the goodness and the wisdom and the power of God will fit. Will fit we'll have a new perspective on the world's pain and evil. All of a sudden, we'll see that if you had not gone through the experience that you went through, the horrible, terrible, pain-filled, wrong, unjust experience that you went through, If you hadn't have done that, there are people in your life that you love more than life itself would not have been impacted and gone to heaven with you. They needed more than me telling them that you're the most important thing in the world. And they nod, maybe in agreement, maybe they're falling asleep. But they see their mom hold true to her faith when a B-team, low-road, lesser person would say to Hades with God, if my mom can cling to her faith when there's no reason to cling to her faith, God must be real and I'm going to believe in Him too. And then you go, oh, I want my daughter in heaven more than I want anything. Now I see why. Now I see why.
1: This is, I don't think this is the direction that the sermon is going, but my thought just then was when you were kind of adamant about clinging to faith and why a person would cling to faith, my thought was, well, we cling to something
0: Oh, yeah, we're all clinging to something.
1: So if it's not faith...
0: Maybe it's anger or hate. Fear. Fear. Hate. Unforgiveness.
1: Well, Lord, have mercy. If you've got to pick from that list, why in the world not pick faith? I know it can't be explained, but neither can hate.
0: Mm. So choose
1: well. <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, bless you. James and Peter both go into great detail about challenging us to realize that the deepest, wisest, I'm going to use this word, richest, but not rich. Throw out money. No money. Richest. Like Shakespeare is rich, or Beethoven is rich, or Monet is rich. That's what I mean by rich. The deepest... Richest, healthiest, most wonderful people in the world are the people that have suffered the most. And the meanest, and the shallowest, and the pettiest, and the frivolousest. Most frivolous. Thank you. You're welcome. People in the world have suffered the least. And we'll see that when Jesus returns and we see and know as we've been seen and known, we will see the impact. Now, that's if we let the pain and suffering in our lives impact us in good ways. We can we can you know harden up like a like a bowling ball and be closed off and give up and shut down. We can, that that's a that's a plan. I would think it's a terrible plan and your grandchildren one day will say, "Grandmama, that's a terrible plan."
1: Or they'll say nothing to you at all yes. because who wants that for their grandmother?
0: But the other reason the Bible says that we we will have an answer one day for the pain and the suffering and the evil in the world and in our lives. The Bible doesn't ever deny that pain and suffering and evil are not real. Nor does the Bible ever deny that it's not horrible the Bible never minimizes our pain, our suffering but it does challenge us to set it beside other things what I, let me let me read to you some verse and I'll give you an example Romans 8 says Paul says I view our present suffering uncomparable with the glory that will be revealed in our lives one day. 1 Peter 5 says, The God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will Himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, our light and brief troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory far outweighing them. Bible's not denying, oh, fatty, your suffering's not a big deal. Your suffering's just ignore that. Get over that. Stop thinking about, it. your suffering is no big deal. The Bible never says that. What the Bible does say is, put your suffering beside other things. And what the Bible says those other things are, uncomparable glory. Glory that is far outweighing them. You ever been to um, Heber Springs? That's a huge lake. Until you compare it to the Pacific Ocean. One of my dreams is to hike up to a base camp at Mount Everest. I would love, I might do it one day. Just a base camp. That's as far as I want to go. I don't want to be cold. So I'll just go up there and spend the night and hike hike down. Well, it ain't like going up further. Um, And then I'd come home. Mount Everest is huge until you compare it to Jupiter. And then all of a sudden, Mount Everest is still real. Hebrew Springs is still real. But when you compare it to something else, it just puts, it's not a denial. It's to put it in perspective. And the Bible repeatedly says that what God has in store for people, the, way, the exact wording are, what God has in store for people that are looking forward to His return. It's unimaginable. It's uncomparable. It'll be beyond our wildest dreams. God offers us one day when we can see and know as we have been seen and are known, we'll have a perspective on the evil and the wrong and the pain and the suffering in our lives and our world. Second thing that God offers us one day is a new world. Revelation 22 says that in this new day when Jesus returns, we will live in a world where there is no more curse. Everything that Adam and Eve screwed up will be restored and repaired and made right. There will be no more curse. 2 Peter chapter 3 says that we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Now remember what we talked about last week. When it says new, it actually means restored. It'll be put back the way it was originally when Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God every day. The prophet Micah, yeah, let me open this up. The prophet Micah said it this way, listen. In that day, the day when Jesus comes back, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of all the mountains and will be exalted above all the hills. The nations will stream to it and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and the temple of God. He will teach us His ways so that we may walk in His paths. Don't miss the imagery. Who walked in the garden every evening with God? The nations all of a sudden will see, hey, I want to walk with God. I want to walk with Him every afternoon. Whether I'm a Moabite or a Russian or a Chinese or a person from the United States or from Brazil or from Ethiopia, I want to walk with the Lord every day. And they can come and have that experience, that privilege, and that right, just like the blood children of Abraham. He'll teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The word of the Lord will go out from Jerusalem and He will judge between the peoples and settle the disputes of the nations far and wide. And they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and the nations will no longer go to war or even train for war. All will sit under their own vine and fig tree and they will not be afraid anymore. Notice the millions of things that Micah could have talked about to help us understand what this new world will be like. This this new world. But the thing he picked was war. Wonder why, why not natural phenomenons like earthquakes and floods? Wonder why not pestilence and disease and viruses and, you know, all the COVIDs and all those things. Wonder, he picked. Now, I don't think it's just war, but he picked war because of all the things that you and I experience from a global perspective. Is there anything like war that reveals how broken and evil and horrible our race and our world really is? And Micah says, there'll be a day. Nations won't act that way anymore. Nations won't act that way anymore. There will be no more orphans. There will be no more widows. There will be no more uh, parents looking for their children to come home from war. What his house will be blown up? No, all that. No, they won't even think. They won't even. Not only will they not do it, they won't even think about doing it. They will not be afraid anymore. Another thing God promises us in this new day, we'll get new bodies. Philippians 3 says, God will transform our lowly bodies into glorious ones, just like His. Now notice, He's not going to change us from having bodies, mortal bodies, into not having bodies. We'll have bodies, real live bodies. That you can touch. We can, remember, Jesus had a glorified body. He still ate lunch. He still ate lunch. Now it was souped up. You know, it was it was new and improved, but he still had a real body. He wasn't floating around like Casper. Uh, you know, he, he had a real body. But it'll it a body. Our lowly bodies will be transformed into bodies of glory like His. 1 Corinthians 15 says that what was sown in dishonor and weakness will be raised in glory and power. Your body will be glorious. Your body will be full of power.
1: So when my daughter, our daughter, was little, like three or four years old, Ooh, something she like this. I, I may mean, have told this story before. Um, she, we got talking about heaven and what heaven was and, and going to heaven and all that. And she said, uh, well, I'm re- I want to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, great. I, I can't wait, she said. And I said, well, why? Why are you looking forward to that? And she said, because in heaven, I'll have a little hand like you. Well, that's a sweet story, and it makes people go, oh. (laughs) And she meant it, and that was sweet and everything, but it it may, and it was, it was lovely. Um, But it makes one think, doesn't it? I mean, we have a, a very, in this room anyway, a very westernized view of what the perfect body looks like, what it's supposed to look like. We know all the stats. We know height, weight. We know what's... Good and what's not good and what's perfect. We, we, we got that. And we have suffered because of that. I teach girls. And, and, and boys do too. We well, have everybody, suffered everybody because wants of this. a
0: body like Brad Pitt or Dinsdale Washington, or they want a body like Angelina and Jolie or Halle Berry. That, that, that's the, we that's said, what we have everybody our, wants. We are standard, right? And, and I was born.
1: Um, during the day where the language was not quite as as generous as it is now. And so I was born with a birth defect, which is what it was in the 60s, and that's fine. And they've softened the language, and that's good, there's nothing wrong with that. But the idea that our heavenly bodies will be what our westernized view of them as perfect is, is something I think we need to separate. I don't know what a heavenly body is. Mm But it is not the same as a westernized yeah, a view. Yeah, heavenly
0: body, it's a, that's a... It begs the question, what will be different and glorified? Our bodies, our ability to see our bodies. Will it be our eyesight, all of a sudden, the child, you know, in the Shriners commercials, that they play once a year when they're raising money. Wonder how God sees that little child in that wheelchair. Versus Brad Pitt. Or whoever. Tom uh, what's it? Tom Cruise. Yeah. He's yeah. popular these yeah, days. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Great movie, by the way. Well but, I no, no, no. have
1: a new Well I have a five fingered hand. Does that matter?
0: Or will we? Well, I, well, me, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: We'll have new bodies. And it says that they will be like the Lord. You know, the Bible only mentions one defect in anybody's body in this new age that's coming. What is that? And that's the scars of Jesus. He'll still have the scars on his hands and his feet and his side and his face. But I wonder if anybody would look at that that's there and realizes that that paid for me to get here. I wonder if anybody would see that negatively. We'll have a new home. Matthew 25 says that the king will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom that I have prepared for you since the creation of the world, enter into your master's joy. I doubt there's a person in this room that loves their home at least any more than I love mine. I love my home. I don't want anybody else's home. I don't want you to bother my home. Don't, it's... It really is. It's perfect. It is perfect. And I let my wife knows. what do you want to do? Well, you want my first pick or my second pick? Because my first pick is always the same. I want to be home. Because I love my home. It's a place of peace and beauty and solitude and refuge. And I love it. God has a place for me and for you that's even better than that. There'll be no more fighting. No more Anger, no more violence, no more it'll be, a, it'll be wonderful. There'll be no more bed and breakfasts or hotels or, or uh, the mobile homes you pull or those things you pull behind your, your car. There'll be no more none of that. God has been and he's been working on this place since before, since before time began. You think about that. I guess Jerry Bowden's house took longer to build than any house I've ever known anything about. This God's been working on this since before time began. Hmm. We're going to have a new uh, reward. A reward that won't perish, won't spoil, won't rust. We will share... In God's riches, God's glory, God's abundance, God's authority, God's joy, God's power. Listen to what Paul says in Hebrews 10 You willingly suffer great abuse and loss, for you knew you had better and lasting possessions coming. So don't throw away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. If I lost my watch, and I told you, I'm going to give a reward to anybody that finds my watch, most of you wouldn't even look. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a reward is, but it can't be that much. Can you imagine if Bill Gates said he had a reward for you? He lost something that was dear to him, and he said, I'm going to reward the person that finds it. Dude, chairs would be flying out of here like bullets, and we'd be scouring the countryside trying to find whatever it is he lost. Bill Gates has got a reward for me. God says, you will be richly rewarded. You must persevere So that when you've done God's will, you will gain what He has promised. Don't, we'll end with that. Don't miss what He said. Who gains this reward? Not the person that has the assurance of salvation but the person that perseveres. Those are not my words. That's the Apostle Paul. We, we being all of us in this room, we've grown up in a, a spiritual culture that has emphasized the assurance of your salvation. Brenda, do you have a, as Dr. Rogers used to say, do you have a, a no, what's he, what would he say, a no, no, a, uh, 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 how did he say that? It was so great. What did he say? Yeah, no so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do you have a no so salvation? We, Billy Graham, Dr. Rogers, Dr. Stanley, uh, Dr. Swindoll, all these people, every one of them are gods in my mind and in my heart. So I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> don't hear me being critical of those men. They are. But the emphasis of their teaching was consistently, do you have the assurance of your salvation? How can you... Today's message is on how can you know for certain that you have the assurance of your salvation? If you ask the wrong question, you'll always get the wrong answer. The Bible doesn't ask us, do we have the assurance of our salvation? If it does, you show me the verse. What the Bible tells us is, not how can you know for certain that you're going to heaven. What the Bible asks us is, how can you persevere? Because people that persevere do have the assurance of their salvation. People will ask me all the time, some of you, how you doing today? And I normally will say something like this. I'm doing good because I woke up this morning and I still have my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Who gave me that faith? God. It's a gift that God gave me one more day. And because of my faith in the Lord Jesus that I was given as a gift, I am persevering. Listen to it again. So don't throw away your confidence for it will be richly rewarded. You must persevere so that when you've done God's will, you will gain what He has promised. The question's not how can I know I'm saved? The question is how can I persevere? What are the things that I need to practice in my life, the disciplines in my life, so that my faith remains strong and I continue to persevere? I wanted us to end today uh, by you reading that. Uh, God is very committed to you and I experiencing new things today if you're wondering what God's focused on, if you're wondering what God's up to, if you're wondering what God's doing, He is orchestrating the things in my life and your life so that we will experience new things today. He is also very committed to preparing new things for us one day. Unimaginable things. Incomparable things. Unbelievable things. Things that will... Blow us away. He's committed to, those, to us experiencing those things one day. C.S. Lewis had some insight into that. I want you to read that if you yeah. will. He's Listen.
1: All, he's always right on top of it.
0: Yes, he is. <laughs> Imagine
1: yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. Mm. He intends to come and live in it himself. The command, be perfect, is not idealistic gas, nor is it a command to do the impossible. He is going to make us into creatures that can obey that command. He said in the Bible that we are gods, and he is going to make good his words if we Mm. let him, Mm. for we can prevent him if we choose. Isn't that amazing that we can prevent God from doing that if we choose? He will make the feeblest and filthiest of us into a god or goddess, a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature pulsating all all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love that we cannot now imagine a bright, stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly, though, of course, on a smaller scale. His own boundless power and delight and goodness. The power will be long and in parts very beautiful, but that is what we're in for. Nothing less. He
0: meant what he said. What's God doing in your life? Those of you that are panting after God like a deer pants after water, and those of you like the prodigal that are running away from God as fast as your two little fat legs will carry you. What's God doing in your life? He's working in both of those lives. He's working in both of their lives. And He is turning a shack into a palace. And the process at times is lovely to watch. And the process at times is terrifying. But He will not stop until we are palaces. Hmm. Isn't it funny that we're looking forward to what God has for us? And I think we should. But C.S. Lewis would remind us God's looking forward to what we're going to bring to the palaces that we bring. Thank you, friend. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. Um, in a world full of darkness gloom and doom isn't it lovely to be reminded that we have a hope a hope of a future it's going to be Isaiah and Paul both say it this way God has a future for you and for me that no eye has seen, no ear has ever heard, no mind has ever conceived of. That's what God has in store for you and for me. If we will trust in the life and the death of His Son. So each week we eat and drink that which symbolizes Christ's body that was nailed to a cross and His blood which poured out of His body through the sacrifice of both of those God dealt with our sin and He offers to people who will trust in that eternal life, adoption into His family and this future that we talked about today. If Christ is your hope, He's your Savior. He's the one that you love and look forward to spending eternity with. And I invite you to come. It's not my supper. It's the Lord's supper. He's the one that's really inviting you to come and eat and drink and to remember and to give thanks and to be encouraged. So you come if you'd like.